We have a problem that needs to be addressed. And until we start having these conversations, right, until the, the, the rest of the world start having these conversations, we're always going to have this problem when it comes down to police. I'm not saying I'm going to rule the world or I'm going to change the world, but I guarantee that I will spark the, the, the brain that will change the world. And that's our job. That's just the way it is. Like I tell everybody, I always try to bring, you know, my resources together, especially when questions come about. And the two questions that I knew you would rock when it comes down to informing the audience about whether the police can uh, film you. A lot of people had that question, and I figured I'll get my constitutional expert in the mix to tell us about that. And also, um, break down the Electoral College as far as a lot of people ask, how do you, how do you have more votes you have a million more votes, but you still can lose the presidency. What What is the electoral? I thought my vote mattered, you know, because I'm on this. I'm pushing more people to go out and vote. So I'm getting more of, I don't even understand the voting process anymore. I thought my vote mattered. I thought if the person who had most votes wins, and now I'm being told, especially our young people, I'm being told now that, no, it's the electoral. So what is the what is that? And why is that? How does that make sense to me telling uh, audience of uh, high schoolers or, or college students, like, you know, we need your vote. We need to get out and vote. Exercise your right to vote. And you get a question like, so what, like I don't even understand this breakdown. We can vote. Everybody says the vote matters. But when it's all said and done, you could win by $5 million and still lose the presidency. So I know you, you're a constitutional expert in the game. So break it down for us, Chris. Tell us what it's about. Well, tell me which one you want me to start with. Because you gave yeah. me two questions, yeah. so. Well, go ahead. The electoral? Yeah. The electoral college? That's start right. with the electoral yeah. college? That's right. All right. So, uh, the electoral college only comes into play when you're, when, when we're electing the president of the United States. So, there is no electoral college when you're voting for your governor, when you're voting for your county commissioner, when you're voting for your, your, your state U.S. house reps, your, uh, there's no electoral college when that comes into play. So the direct vote elects all your people in local government. It elects your U.S. House of Representatives. And that's how that works. Now, the electoral college comes into play to elect a president of the United States. And there's, there's reasons for that. Number one is understanding what is the proper role of the president. The President of the United States does not represent the people of the United States. That's not the purpose of the President of the United States. So, for example, you directly elect your U.S. House Rep because your U.S. House Rep directly represents you. So, the President of the Office of the President was not designed to represent the people. The Office of the President was designed to represent the states on uh, in foreign affairs. So in, in just very simple terms, the, the job of the President of the United States, constitutionally speaking now, is to be an ambassador on behalf of the states and foreign affairs. And when you understand the very limited and defined power that's actually delegated to the President under Article 2, you understand that his purpose. Today, in modern politics, we look to the president to do uh, 
a lot of things that the simply the president is simply not constitutionally authorized to do. The president doesn't create jobs constitutionally unless it's in the matter of a foreign treaty. The president cannot raise or lower taxes constitutionally. As a matter of fact, constitutionally, the president has absolutely no say whatsoever on taxes. The president uh, does not have any authority on the internal operations of the state. And uh, most of it, he doesn't have any authority to issue health care. He doesn't have any authority to give or take guns. He doesn't have any authority to do to manage our workforce or create regulations or our land or our schools. He doesn't have authority to do any of that constitutionally. As a matter of fact, the majority of the things that I just told you are completely outside of the entire federal government's constitutional authority. All of those things are supposed to be happening at the state level. So when you look at a presidential platform today, you know, the websites where they tell you what they're going to do when they win for office. Uh, I actually covered uh, on my show back in 2016 the presidential platforms of seven candidates. So it was a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Constitution, Green Party, uh, Independent Party, and I think another one I can't remember. And what I did was I compared their platforms, which is their promises of what they'll lay into office to the people, with the Constitution of the United States, which is the only real standard we should have for presidential authority. Not one single platform of those seven presidential candidates had a constitutionally uh, consistent platform. So everybody was promising to do things that the president's not supposed to do. So the electoral college was created so that the states would select the candidate for president that best matches the principles and the ideologies of the state. So the electoral college picks the president on behalf of the state because the president is a representative of the state and not of the people. So then you ask, why do you vote for president, right? You vote for president because your popular vote at the state level is supposed to direct the electoral college on who they choose, okay? Uh. So the electoral college is really the only fair way to elect a president when you understand what the job of the president is. If you go by popular vote, Joe, this is crazy, right? Popular vote will mean that this, that New York City, LA, California maybe as a whole, Texas, and Florida, okay? Four states, five major cities, will choose the president of the United States every single year and nobody else's vote will count. It doesn't matter where you live. If the, if we move to a popular vote on presidential elections, then 95% of the American people will be disenfranchised and they will never have their vote count. The electoral college assigns the number of votes based on the, on the size of the state, right? So uh, everybody has a certain number of votes, and some states have a few more. So you have a minimum, and then you have more. And the electoral college then elects the president so that it's equitable, and every state has a voice. 
So if you move to popular vote, Joe, in the next presidential election, the only place you'll see a president campaigning is New York, California, <laughs> Texas, yeah. and Florida. Wow. Yeah, but I, not I, only that, think about this. How do, how do politicians get votes? They start making promises that they can't keep. Promises, promises for what, though, Joe? What do they promise? They, they, they promise the people um, what they're going to do uh-huh. for them. They're saying, look, I can do right. this as an elective official. Better I can do that care. as an elective official. Yeah. Better educational system, things of that nature. Yeah. They promise money yes. and services, right? Right. So they promise money and services. If we move to the popular vote, the only states that will ever get money and services are New York, California, Texas, and Florida because they're the only states that elect the president of the United States under popular vote. So the Electoral College is designed to make the presidential election equitable so that every single state has a voice, in a guaranteed mm-hmm. voice, in electing the president that will represent them in, uh, you know, in foreign affairs. So I guess you made a strong argument why the midterms and everything underneath the president is probably the most important time to vote than the actual presidency. That's level right. than it ever is at the national level. Mm-hmm. That's really where our choice matters. And constitutionally speaking, at the state and local level, that's where we have the most power, right? right. You have the power. I mean, look at if we Florida just had their primary. Practically nobody showed up to vote. Mm. No. We have a whole bunch of people who allegedly sent in their mail-in ballots. Oh my goodness, I can't even... This whole mail-in ballot thing is a complete debacle. I, I, I don't even... I don't know how anybody can have any faith in any election as long as they're going to be doing the mail-in ballot things because there's no there, there's no governance over it. You don't know if somebody mailed in a ballot and they voted at the polling place. You don't know if the people who are mailing in the ballots actually filled out the ballots. I mean, the whole thing is just ridiculous. But you have more power over your county commissioner than you do your U.S. House rep. You have more power over your sheriff than you do your state senator or your U.S. senator. And you have more power. You ought to have more power over your governor than you do the president of the United States just by population. And so that's why we have to be involved in local politics, because that's where we have all the power. Okay, so I get it now. Basically, when people are saying your vote don't matter, it actually does if they understand on the local level that if you go out and swarm and vote, that even though the popular votes are in these bigger states, Mm -hmm. when the electoral college goes into the smaller, the individual states, it will basically either balance out Mm -hmm. or exceed the popular vote if the popular or, mm. you know, and that's probably how Trump won because of those mm. states, yeah. the less bigger states, right. but who, you know. Could your, could your um, representative go against the people? Could oh, they, sure. So I mean, that happens all the time. So the population dictates, so the population of the people, right? And say I'm, I'm your rep and I, my vote is towards the electoral college. 
And the majority of my constituents said, I'm going to vote A. I could turn around and vote B, and, and there's nothing they could do about it, right? There's nothing. I sort of represent them. Once I get to that seat, then I could pretty much vote how I want to vote. Is that correct? Well, let's look at the Electoral College, okay? So the Electoral College is a selected body of people that are supposed to uh, follow the, the, the population's principles and... Um, um, principles and and policies when when selecting the president right? right so that's why the popular vote is there to guide the electoral college so the, there are numbers of electoral college they have they have district designations and the popular vote is supposed to guide that electoral college now it's right you're true that the that electoral college does not have to follow the the popular vote of their district right but if they don't follow, then they don't get to do their, well, technically speaking, they're not supposed to be allowed to do their job again. Right. Right. The broken, a lot of people complain about the Electoral College uh, because, not because of the way the system was set up. They think that it's because they don't like the Electoral College. But what they really don't like is how the states are operating the Electoral College. So it used to be that the state representatives would select the electors or the people would select the electors and then the electors would be guided by the popular vote that way. But we have been now relegated to political parties selecting the electoral colleges so that you have this elector pledging to the Democrat Party and this elector wow. pledging to the Republican Party instead of actually vetting candidates to see whether those candidates' principles match with the population of the state. You know, I was just about to ask you, who selects them? <laughs> like, who, who are they held, uh, I guess, responsible for or to? Accountable? Like, how do you, yeah, how do you, how do you keep that person accountable? Mm -hmm. that, that's, well, that's, it, it, the Electoral College selection is different from state to state. So each state is left to to determine how their electors will be selected. So that's part, Joe, of what, and Marie, what you said about staying active local. You have to know, you have to be involved in your state and local government to know how your electors are being uh, selected and if your electors are, are following some party dictate or if they're actually listening to the popular, uh, to the vote of the people, mm -hmm. to the voice of the people. And that's where it's so important to involved locally because once again you can control if you understand how the process works you can control the elector but you can't control the president right so you have to together locally can i can i tell you a little bit of constitutional truth that might shock you go ahead a constitutional presidential election since 1865 ah damn that is a shocker mm -hmm. do you know why no because the 12th Amendment requires two separate ballots. There's supposed to be an election of the president and an entirely separate election of the vice president. Uh, running mates chosen by president are chosen by political party are completely unconstitutional. The president, the vice president is supposed to go through the same electoral process as the president because the only real 
purpose for the vice president is to be the president when something happens to the vice president. So they're supposed to be elected under the same terms by the same electoral college process. That is amazing. And I can't even believe that we just operate the way we operate and nobody has even called that out. Like, wait a minute, we just operating wrong. That's what you it know, and like. it's just crazy. Somebody asked in the chat room, why, why the change? Well, the change just happened because the political parties gained so much power that they didn't have to, that nobody challenged them, that they wanted that kind of control. And so it happens kind of gradually, and it, and it was at first the political parties choosing the running mate. Uh, now we're told that it's the presidential candidates that choose their running mates. I'm going to tell you that's a lie. There's not a presidential candidate that ever chooses their, their running mate. The party chooses them. But the bottom line is it was solidified under, um, uh, under President um, FDR. FDR. FDR had a total temper tantrum the second he had already served two terms. They wanted him to serve a third term. That was before we limited presidents to two terms. And uh, he had a temper tantrum and said he would not run on a third term unless he got to choose his running mate. And what's crazy is that the Republican Party didn't disagree because they realized that by not having two sep by ha not having two separate ballots, it actually increases the power of the political party, and both parties want that power, so they're not going to disagree. Okay. Wow. Oh, you don't say that. Nothing. I don't sense. say nothing. No. Right. We'll keep selecting who we want. You keep selecting who you want. That's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy, and it's not been challenged. That's the crazy part. And part of that is because, Joe, Marie, you guys know, people are not involved the way they're supposed to be involved. Yeah. If we were involved, if we took the time to understand the Constitution and how it's supposed to work, there is absolutely no way our government could do and our political parties and our politicians could get away with doing this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we just don't know. We don't no. know. That's crazy. We just really don't. I don't know how many. Do you know anybody who know that? I I'm sitting here like dumbfounded. Yeah, like, this is scratching my crazy. head. Literally, like, oh my god. This is well, and another piece we're having primary elections right right now. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. This is the primary elections are one of the biggest financial boondoggles on the American population that we have, because primaries are not a civic function. Mm -hmm. Primaries are political parties choosing who will represent them in the general election, which is the civic function. So what uh, the American people have been duped into is using our tax dollars so the political parties can choose who will represent them in the general election. That's like this. That's like General Motors getting tax dollars to uh, hold an election to determine who's going to be the, the board of directors. <laughs> so yeah. the Republican Party, the Democrat Party are getting, are taking our tax dollars and operate in our tax and our government resources to run their private elections. Wow. 
so wait, 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 wait. Our tax dollars are running their private elections, but then what is yeah, it that they're Yeah, because primaries are private elections. Okay. That's why some states have closed primaries, right? So yeah. if you're not a registered Republican in some states, you can't vote on the Republican ticket. That's right. Or you're a okay. Democrat, you can't vote. Because they're not, they're not civic functions. They're not government functions. They're private corporations choosing who's going to be their representative in the general election because the general election is the civic function right and i guess that would explain why me as an independent i can't participate in the in the primaries that's right that's right because they're private corporate elections and we've been duped into paying for their private corporate elections so they're buying their votes in a sense (laughs) right is that what I'm understanding? That's like Ford giving mm-hmm. That's crazy. Such, and such money privately. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, somebody, someone, Akeem, he said, so what can we do at our local city hall? Hmm. Is there anything you can do at our local city hall? Well, everything has to happen locally. And the best thing that you can do is it, it, everything begins with education so people don't know what they don't know i mean how many things have i already told you tonight yeah. in the few minutes that that we've been on the show i mean we haven't even been here 15 minutes yet so uh, how many things have i told you that you yeah. simply did not know yeah. until 12 minutes ago That's right, right. Mm-hmm. so people don't know what they don't know so the begins with education you've got to get in you've got to get educated and then you have to educate other people because if you go to city hall and you try to shake your fist and you know point your finger at them and tell them they're doing wrong they're going to look at you and tell you you're a nut and tell you to get out but if you show up with 50 educated people who know the truth and are empowered by the truth then they may ignore you at first, but you have to be persistent. They can't continue to ignore you. So you have to be educated. You have to be principled. You have to be determined. And you have to be persistent. Because this stuff doesn't... Look, I already told you, we've been doing this wrong since 1865. So it's not going to change in two weeks. You've got to be persistent and make sure it happens. You know, I don't want to do some some gratuitous self-plugging here, but that's why we have libertyfirstuniversity.com. We have the education program that yeah. will teach you what you need to know to make the changes. I wish, I wish knowing what I know, because I, I know a lot about government, I know a lot about constitution, and I've been studying a lot about the state constitutions, because people have been asking me, what does my state constitution say about COVID and about emergency powers and all this stuff? So I have been teaching people on their state constitutions lately. I wish, knowing what I know, I could just wave a magic wand and fix everything for everybody, but I'm just me. So the education that we give at libertyfirstuniversity.com is the magic wand because we're giving you the tools you need to unite with other people to make the changes. That's right. That's right. Like I told y'all, she's a excellent resource to have. You can check out on IG, Chrisanne.Hall. She gives classes. She's educated us here within the past 15 to 20 okay. minutes. I bet you 
nobody knew exactly what she was talking about because I, I sure did. I'm still dumbfounded. Yeah, right yeah. Now. So we have to educate ourselves, especially in this movement to fight for justice. It's always good to know exactly what you can and can't do, what you can and can't say. So this is an excellent tool. She's an excellent resources. Chris, you know I love you for that. I always appreciate everything you've done for the PBM and being a part of the PBM family. Um, I guess the next question will be. You made me. <laughs> the next question will be about recording the police I get a lot of can I record the police police told me I can't record they said that if I record them in the performance of their uh, duties it becomes evidence and they can seize my phone they can take it and hold it on property until the court case is over tell us what you know about filming the police is it or is it not legal alright so what you need to understand is that Filming the police is protected First Amendment actions in 48 states. There are two states, and I, I just had them, and I, and I lost it. Let's see. Um, North Carolina is one of them, and I lost what the other one was. I'm trying to find it for you. Um, but... Filming the police is protected in 48 states, except North Carolina and another state. I'll, I'll figure it out here in a little bit. But, oh, here it is. Wait. Um, 48 states. Oh. Oh, not North Carolina. Massachusetts and Illinois. Okay? Mm -hmm. So Massachusetts and Illinois have a provision of what they call expectation of privacy. Uh, that means that... that um, you can't, that even police officers on duty have an expectation of privacy. Now, 48 other states do not say that, say that these officers do not have an expectation of privacy. Now, this expectation of privacy is completely ridiculous. You are paid by the people. You are doing a job by the people. You're a public employee, and everything that you do ought to be subject to public scrutiny and on the 48 states that's why these the filming of police is a, is allowed by law because then have to be subject to scrutiny now when i tell you this let me just be very clear about something you can lawfully film police in the function of their public duty you can lawfully do that that does not mean that they will, that some officer who is angry and doesn't care about the law is not, is going to recognize that and respect that, okay? So just be aware that, that when people who like being tyrannical and like to wave around their power unlimited uh, want to arrest you, they will arrest you. It doesn't mean it's a lawful arrest, but don't come to me and say, Chrisanne said I could film it and they arrested me. What's wrong? No. They arrested you unlawfully. What you did was okay, all right? right? When you're filming, you cannot interfere with what they're doing. So don't try to step in between. Don't try to get up in the mix. Right. Stay off in the distance. Film it. Stay out of everybody's way. They do not have a legal authority to take your phone without a warrant. That is a seizure of private property. That, that whole thing is just evidence is just completely farce okay it's just fake it's made up stuff and what happens then 
is, you know, well, so then they can't take my phone. No, they can take your phone. But they will have to give it back to you, and anything on the phone will be inadmissible in court. So that's what this is about. So if they take your phone without a warrant, they can't use anything on your phone. They can't even take your phone, search through it, and give it back to you without a warrant. That's an unlawful search and seizure. So uh, don't get in their way. Stay on the outside. You can lawfully film them because they're engaged in their public duty. If they try to take your phone, it's an unlawful taking. You do not have to surrender your phone to them, okay? Don't do that. Now, when I was practicing First Amendment law, there were certain rules that I told people when you're out doing this. Because you don't just go out to film the police. You know, you don't walk the street and go, hey, maybe I'll just film the police today. <laughs> no, people actually go out, engage in protests or something and they realize that in their protest they might have to film somebody never go alone as a matter of fact never go without at least three people the person who will be speaking to the officer and two people who will be filming you want two cameras on at all times why? Because if they try to take one, you still got another, and you can get away, right? Right. So you don't you 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 keep your phone because the danger is not in having them take your phone and using it as evidence against you. The danger is them taking your phone and destroying the evidence that yes. you've created mm -hmm. of their misconduct, and that's what's going to happen. You know, because we we have officers that are required to wear body cams, right? How many times do the body cams malfunction? Yeah, a turn off, it wasn't working. <laughs> or the it never took, or it accidentally got right. turned off. That's why citizens with their cell phones are so important. So you've got to make sure that, you know, and, and don't try to hide you, the filming either, okay? Because sometimes when you're hiding it, you can actually be violating a law by not giving them notice that they're being filmed, okay? Oh, okay. So in some places, secretly filming somebody is illegal, but openly filming people is not. Right. Does that make sense? No, it makes a lot of sense. So make sense. sure they're being filmed. There's nothing wrong with even saying, you know, for my protection, for your protection, I'm going to film this. You can say that. Right. Because... Legally speaking, they don't have the authority to tell you you can't film them. Yeah. And there are lots of court cases. I can go I can go down the court line for you. Uh, let's see. There's uh, Glick v. Cuniff, which was 2011. There's uh, ACLU v. Alvarez, which is 2012. Uh, and a lot of people like to quote the Supreme Court case... Um, Neves v. Bartlett. And I've seen lots of articles about this Supreme Court case that came out in uh, 2019. It's called Neves, N-I-E-V-E-S v. Bartlett. And the headlines that come across this is that the Supreme Court just made it easier for the police to arrest you for filming them. That's not what the Supreme Court did. Okay? Uh, you, you know this term. I, I know you know this term. Uh, um, uh, immunity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, you know that term. Mm -hmm. So, what the Supreme Court 
and Nevis B. Bartlett, v. Bartlett did was was reinforced, unfortunately, the, the uh, qualified immunity of police officers. Now, they didn't say it, you can arrest people for lesser terms. That's not what the Supreme Court said. Mm-hmm. But what they said in this particular instance is you can't sue them if they arrest you. Mm-hmm. So all the criminal aspects are still there. Right. It's still unlawful for them for, to arrest you for, for filming them. It's still unlawful for them to take your phone mm-hmm. without a... Um, to take your phone without a warrant that's all still illegal the only thing that is more difficult now is because of qualified immunity right once again (laughs) qualified immunity yep 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 do you know where qualified immunity comes from joe i know it's been implemented a long time ago when uh, policing originally so it came go ahead it actually came when uh, when our governments were kingdoms, okay? Mm-hmm. So when the government was a kingdom, they had this, this principle called divine right, which said that the king's orders were the equivalent of the word of God, and that to disobey the king was to disobey God himself, which, you know, would obviously make the king even more powerful than mm-hmm. God, because when the king says something contrary to God's word, God's word, right? It's legally impossible under qualified immunity terms for them to do anything wrong. Because it's supposed to be, supposed to be God's word, right? That they can't do anything. What are, we gonna do? what are we going to do about qualified immunity? Oh, my God. Well, just like everything else, Joe, we've got to, we've got to educate the people about it. Um, and that's what's happening. A lot of people are getting their information and getting educated on qualified immunity. I'm going to tell you what, in the 10 years that we've been fighting qualified immunity, I've never heard as much talk about it as I have in the last six to eight months. So we're headed in the right direction, and we've got people talking about it, and hopefully we'll be able to get the people organized and united in such a way that we can make a difference. Because, you know, politicians aren't going to want to give up something like that. Yeah, yeah you're right? absolutely right. You're 100% well, right. And I but think that talk it has a lot to do with you. a law that says there's no qualified immunity when, in fact, he himself is covered by qualified immunity. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So it goes beyond the police officers. Oh, yeah, no, qualified immunity applies to everybody in government. Your county commissioner has qualified immunity. Your legislators have qualified immunity. Wow. Uh, anybody in government has a certain degree of qualified immunity. So you're not going to get them to write 
to voluntarily write laws. Wow. Uh, unless you actually have some people that are really morally based people and understand what their job is. So uh, only with a moral people in government will we ever end this kind of tyrannical government authority. That is Marie's mad at me. Huh? <laughs> As a Marie looks like she's mad at me for telling you all this. No, oh, no, no, no. She's like, she can't believe, like, what's going on. Like, she's like, <laughs> I, I didn't even have, that explains why. That, I thought it was just for law enforcement. I didn't know it extend to all the members of Congress. We're asking members of Congress to write a bill that will take away not just law enforcement, but their own uh, qualified immunity. So, yeah, that's, that's definitely right. going to be an issue. <laughs> yes, learn something, again, new that I didn't know. You know that one. Chrisanne, I love you, I thank you, and yes, I appreciate thank you. Thank you so Look, much. Look, guys, you have to follow her, chrisanne.hall. She, she's on IG. She's on uh, Facebook. YouTube. She's on YouTube. Um, she gives her classes. She gave us a, a class within, what, 30 minutes? And I've yes. learned more than I know her. And I've learned more now than I think our last 10 conversations. Every time, every time. Every time is something new. Yes. Well, Chris, I thank you and I appreciate you. We really appreciate you coming on. It's time to wrap it yeah. up. Like we always tell you guys, it's okay to protest and fight against the police, fight for what's right. But remember, the officer has the home court advantages on the side of the road. Your win is in the courtroom. Stay alive to fight another day because if you push it to a degree to where you actually get killed, you won't be around to fight and you'll leave the fighting to your family. So please stay alive and live to fight another day.